six seven. There are some comments in. So thankful all South Africans are seeing the light and just fed up with the bribing, stealing, and corruption and vote for change. Uh, it has brought us closer together. Amen, says somebody. Thank you, Natalie, for your forthright opinion on Becky Tele. Please give us more of this Janine in Komiki. Uh, she said it's a, it's a, it's a character flaw. And I said such kind of judgment is above my pay grade. But I, I think it, 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 it can't just be a little, uh, I didn't think about that. It cannot be as police minister. You don't take that kind of gifts from the private sector and go on a, on a joint with your executive private, uh, uh, PA, um, to the World Cup final. And you expect the taxpayers to cough up nearly 500,000 rand for that executive PA. It is, it is, it's that kind of impunity. It's that kind of arrogance. It's that kind of, th- thinking i will get away with it it's okay we have a right to do this mr Tele should do the honorable thing and resign with immediate effect resign steph <laughs> has anybody in south africa done that um we're looking for that and that is also going to be another watershed moment in south african politics when people fall in their sword they haven't served us properly they resign that's what we need from politics that kind of honor but it's it's not uh, necessarily ever present in politics anywhere in the world now. 9.34, time for Bob's Wire. Uh, and there's some politics trending as well. Barbara Friedman joins us uh, for a look at, at things trending on social media. Lead us in, Barbara. Um, yeah, and it actually links to what you were just saying, which is that the big politicians don't fall on their swords and quit. But in this case, um, Mavusam Samang, who's a, been in the ANC for six years, he's the deputy president of the ANC Veterans League, he has resigned and he has resigned because he just can't take it anymore. And, you know, like what you were alluding to, I mean, these levels of corruption, these kinds of behaviors, um, he has always been outspoken about it, but he has now, and, but he has stayed as a lot of the veterans have who speak out against corruption, but work within the party. He's reached a point where he has, um, handed in his, um, letter. And that has been published in quite in most of the media houses already um, since last night into this morning. And his three-page resignation letter is a hard-hitting one. I know there are people probably listening to this and going, oh, yeah, like we've heard all this before, because there have been ANC vets that have mm. spoken out. Some have resigned. Has the horse not bolted? Is it not too no, late? Exactly. Mvusa, 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 are there not any small Anyana skeletons there too? I don't know. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't believe every single person who's been in the ANC for ever is guilty of corruption. I truly do not. People can roll their eyes at me. Um, I think there are a number of very, very good people who are there still and who have been there and left. But I think there are many that are on that slippery slope and are corrupt. Um, Bantu Holomisa tweeted, he said, you know, it was in 1996 at the TRC hearings when I mentioned the word corruption, referring to a 2 million rand bribe by Kersner to the then Transcar government cabinet. ANC expelled me. Today, corruption is eating like a cancerous tumor in the body politic of the ANC. Kubi, he exclaimed. And the truth is there's lots of commentary. And I have to say that um, the sort of Search or hashtag Mavusam Samang is blowing up on social media as just commentary, commentary, commentary on what the ANC veteran has done, or should I say the ex-ANC veteran who has 
made it very clear that he has now resigned. The resignation has been accepted by the party. Um, obviously, they're disappointed. I think people there still feel you should work within. And we know this is the line. Mm. You know, we can talk about our skeletons. We can talk about all the corruption, but just keep it, keep it inside the party. But, you know, that is not how the world works anymore. And social media certainly doesn't help keeping things secret. And we're also heading into elections. So he's obviously timed this in a certain way, yeah. in a particular way. Um, the letter is all over social media. We'll certainly get it up on our site. And um, he signs his, his three-page resignation letter, Mavusa Msamang, citizen of South Africa. And he says he's going to be out there spending his time in other areas. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. And then there's some speculation that he's may be associated with Roger Jardine and I mean, who knows, you know, stuff happening on that particular possible. Front. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to, yeah, I mean, maybe there is other, you know, places for him. I mean, he is saying he's going to put his energies and time where it could be sp better spent elsewhere. He says, even as I painfully severed ties with my once glorious organization, I shall continue to keep a vigil over any and all matters pertaining to governance in this country. A, p a proud history as a liberation movement. Absolutely proud. It must be difficult to sever ties. Look at, at, at your organization and see that rot, that cancerous rot. Um, and it's difficult to... When do you draw the line? When yeah. do you go? What he's saying now, and he says, you know, he had raised issues earlier. He says he doesn't think it is fixable. Hmm. I think that's the bottom line, is there was a time when he still believed in the ANC's line that there was going to be renewal and, ref and change and reform and a cleanup. And he's now saying he doesn't think that's possible. Yeah, it's I, th done. I think there were, there were two schools there in the a ANC hmm. um, fighting for the soul. You know the people with the, the values that came with the liberation and movement, the vets, and yeah, the, uh, yeah. That, uh, that group that yeah, and then the others that uh, just wanted a, a seat close to the trough. And I think oh. I think they have been in ascendance for a long time. Absolutely. Mm. Okay, what else is trending? I mean, this is also not a not a very happy story, and it's 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 actually also being shared over all the media houses, and it's a civil suit that um, the New Mexico. Attorney General is bringing against Facebook and Instagram, or should I say Meta overall, and Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO, arguing or accusing them of exposing um, children uh, to child predators on the platforms. And what they've done is quite an extensive investigation. The New York, New Mexico State investigators set up test accounts on the Meta-owned social media sites, they've created four fictional children using AI-generated photos that sh purportedly portrayed these children aged 14 or younger. And the results have been, have been really shocking, although I imagine not entirely surprising to those of us who kind of are more, um, what's the word, cynical about what goes on online. Um, for example, one of the profiles was a test account with the name Issa B, who claimed to be a 13-year-old girl living in Albuquerque, New Mexico. The fake profile gained more than 6,700 Facebook followers uh, very quickly, males between the ages of 40, 18 and 40. Um, she was receiving multiple messages a week of the pictures of genitalia and exposing themselves to her, trying to lure her onto 
you know, into a sort of a marketplace of child pornography. And it is shocking. I know it's not surprising, but I think the point is, is that Meta are going to have to deal with this. And they say they obviously try. But I just, you know, these cases are, I think they are still important. I think that it's important that Meta has to be answerable to the safeguards that they are putting in place to protect children. And I suppose more to the point, parents who have to actually kind of, surely that is really where it has to start, that parents have to decide how they're going to deal with their children. And how much, when I read this, I was like, if I had a teenage daughter or son, I buy them a blackboard. I, I don't. I love my black. I begged my parents for a blackboard when I was a kid. Blackboard and chalk. I loved it. <laughs> Give I me a computer. It. I don't know about Facebook, eh? Yeah, I know. It's it's, it's scary. And yeah, it's scary. Yeah. Who looks out there, man? I, I no, it's oh. massive. It is the dark web and everything that goes on around you know child sex trafficking and pornography. It's beyond your wildest imagination, and I just think that. Um, you know, the media houses that are reporting it say Meta hasn't re- responded with any comments yet. Um, and the New Mexico lawsuit is asserting that these child predators regularly use Facebook and other social media platforms to solicit children, despite Meta's assertions mm. that it doesn't allow child exploitation on its apps. Mm. Yeah, Let's maybe, see what happens. Maybe AI. It's a test case, I suppose. I, I, was I. AI. Yeah. Uh, maybe you know. Maybe it needs that warm-blooded kind of kind of discretion that maybe AI can't. Um, they can't see the nuances, huh? Yeah. I, I don't know, but that's sad. Let's go into Christmas. I know. I just felt let's throw in a Christmas story, and it's again. You know, I do quite like the Guardian, and I find they they have some great articles that go in quite in depth into things. And this is a historical piece. You know, if you think Christmas has always been a sort of happy, fun, warm, and fuzzy occasion. Um, you know, with the tubby old man in his red suit with presents and cheer, there's some quite disturbing customs in Europe. And this particular writer on The Guardian, her name's Emma Beddington, she writes a really um, interesting or fascinating piece where she looks into into the what she calls, um, if I can quote her, it's more oh holy fright than oh holy night. And I just didn't know this. Um, I don't know if you know about Krampusnacht which is apparently uh, historically on the 5th of December. And this is St. Nicholas's sort of evil counterpart, who's half goat, half demon, uh, a very, very scary looking man. And he, you know, nowadays we go, uh, the naughty and nice list all seems to be run by Santa Claus himself. But in uh, days of yore, in sort of, you know, the 1600s, 1700s, 1800s, this character Krampus, he was the guy that actually came for the children. And I was just thinking when I was looking at all the old historical pictures she's put up and the writing and she explains it all. This guy, in our new era, could you imagine actually saying this to your little children? Like that there's this guy who's going to come and actually tear you apart and eat you and do the all these terrible man. things to you. Yeah, I know there's always been boogeyman men around like this, mm. but it is so funny. But the boogeyman that, didn't take shape and form, you say. Well, yeah. I didn't realize that there was Krampus, who was to Nicholas's sidekick, who literally, in some of these pictures, he's, there's a sleigh where Krampus is flying into the sky with a whole slew of little babies behind oh. him. Just the most bizarre imagery you've ever seen. And if you do, go to The Guardian. It's called Shock of the Old, 10 Demonic Depictions of Europe's Disturbing Christmas Customs. And it's quite fascinating. If you like a bit of history, a bit of sort of myth, mythological kind of 
depictions of how Christmas has evolved. These are some of the scariest pictures. I mean, like, but there, I'm going to show you. Like, look, there's Krampus, like... Yeah, no. It's not the kind of imagery I want for Christmas. Little children being... But it's a pagan tradition that was embraced. It's a combination of pagan. It's it was embraced by Christianity. Religion. It's a whole lot of things that have come together yeah. in this. It, is, um, it, it coincides with the, with the, with the, with the winter... Uh, solstice in the northern hemisphere, the exactly. shortest night. So it's a celebration for them of the returning sun. It's the darkness um, that they were seeking, yes. or light that they were seeking for the darkness. Um, in fact, the the historian suggests that Jesus Christ was born. In fact, there's two schools of thought: September or March. Interestingly, mm, yeah. So. It, it, uh, Jesus Christ could not have been born on the 25th. No, no, no. This no, comes no, out of that pagan tradition. Absolutely yeah. nonsense. But I thought it was quite funny because she was saying in her piece, she said, you know, um, the sort of combination of pagan, medieval, Christian, counter-reformation, that whole kind oh. of thing and the Alpine village law. And she was saying, you know, in the middle of winter there where you were stuck in a sort of quite a small house with this family and lots of kids, those little children were driving you mad. You needed this kind of character to keep the children. She says, you know, well, you didn't have Bluey and Nintendo Switch. You needed to get a few minutes peace during a long, cold, dark winter stuck at home. And sometimes, you know, terrifying children with these figures was the only way you could keep them quiet, you know, threatening them that Krampus is coming to eat you. Yeah. Um, and other things which I very much doubt that the parents I know would ever say to their little children. I wasn't sure what to make of the fat man in the red suit with a with a blonde hair, but I think he's a much better sight now to the one that you've just proposed for Christmas. 